holy is the Lord. Let's walk with Jesus this morning. It's not a long walk. Well, not for the first century. It may be a little long by modern standards. We call it the the Emmaus Road account. It's the story you've already heard from Luke chapter 24. And, And in some ways, it seems like a story that happened a long time ago in a country far, far away. On the other hand, it seems a lot like my story and your story. This is one of seven post-resurrection stories, post-resurrection appearances that we have in our gospel accounts. And I would like to focus on what at first seems like some very uh, unpretentious phrases that are easy to skip over, especially in a story that we have heard so many times. And the first one, it was the first one in that account that begins with these simple words, on that same day, Two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, a seven-mile walk, a conversation, a journey home. Who are these two disciples? We know one is named Cleopas. We don't know the name of the other. In John chapter 19, there's a Clopas married to Mary, and We don't know if this is a married couple. We don't know if these are business partners. We don't know if these are friends who grew up together. We don't know if these are people who went to Jerusalem because they heard Jesus was coming and they were hoping for an insurrection, hoping for a coup, hoping for things to change, hoping for the Romans to be challenged. We don't know. On that same day, Go back sometime in Luke 24. It's a big day. A lot happening on that same day. A lot happens to us, you know, on that same day between children and grandchildren and work and and sporting events to take children and grandchildren to and worry and health and worship and prayer and serving and dreams that begin and dreams that are shattered and Some days it's hard to see the hand of God. Some days it's hard to hear the voice of God. Those disappointed disciples, it's a good way to think about them. They've left Jerusalem distraught, confused, disappointed. We have a decision to make today about what we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago, Easter. We we have a decision to make today if we really believe in the resurrection. We have a decision to make today. What does it mean if I believe in the resurrection today? How does that affect me? And many of us, many days, we find ourselves on that road from Jerusalem going home to Emmaus. It's a long road back to the house. Emmaus Emmaus is the giving up place. When a dream has died or a vision has faded, people set out for Emmaus. And those two disciples who've been in Jerusalem, those two disciples who were there, maybe on purpose, knowing Jesus was there, maybe by accident, maybe hope at those two disciples, They have thoughts about giving up. Didn't work out the way they thought. 
didn't happen the way they thought. This is not what they thought they had signed up for. And we have all been there so excited about the future and so excited about our dreams, so excited about the possibilities, so excited, filled with so much hope for tomorrow, only to see it end. A diagnosis. A downsizing. A relationship ended. A death, a layoff, a divorce, a struggling child, a depression. Uh, it, it just goes on and on. Emmaus is the place we go to just escape. For some people, it means looking for a party. For some people, it means going to a bar. For some people, it's just mindless distraction. I'll go to the mall. I'll, I'll buy something. I'll buy some new clothes or buy a new car or smoke some more cigarettes. It, Emmaus might mean going on a trip. Emmaus may mean you got out of bed and you came to church this morning hoping for some kind of distraction. Emmaus is wherever it is that we throw up our hands and we just say, who cares? Who really cares? It doesn't make any difference. Not anymore. Biblical archaeologists may argue over where they think Emmaus is, and yet we all know exactly where it is. Because we've been there. And some of you are there right now. And there they are. On the same day, going to Emmaus, confused and distraught and giving up, and Jesus finds them there. If you hear nothing else this morning, just stay right here with this verse. Jesus finds them there. And the second phrase, they were prevented from recognizing him. Literally, the phrase is their eyes were being kept from recognizing him. Interesting phrase. We all have our blinders. We all have preconceived notions of what Jesus was supposed to do. We all have preconceived notions, didn't they? This, this is what Jesus is going to do. Once he finally comes to Jerusalem, this is going to be the Messiah stuff we've been waiting for. We all have notions. This is what Jesus needs to do in my life. This is what Jesus needs to do for my job. This is what Jesus needs to do for my family. This is, this is what Jesus needs to do. I, I've, I've already told him three times. Some days we can't see. We can't see because we've already made God over into our image and who we are and what we would do. So what's our blindness this morning? What's preventing you from seeing Jesus in Emmaus? What's preventing you from hearing words that might mean a challenge or a change or it might mean wait. It might mean everything's going to be okay. It, it might mean you're not alone. It, it might mean God's not finished. What's, what's preventing you from just taking a deep breath right now and just being where you are? Mary Rilke writes, be patient with all that is unsolved 
and your heart. I love this next line. Try to love the questions themselves. Wherever it is you are, whatever it is that's going on in your life, do not seek answers which cannot be given to you now because you would not be able to live them now. And the point is to live everything, to live the question now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day in the answer. Try to love the questions themselves. I think the funniest line in the whole account is verse 22. As they are relating to Jesus all the things that he evidently didn't know about, and one of them says, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. Thank you, women, for leaving us stunned. Isn't that great? You think that's something. There's more. You aren't going to believe what some of these women have told us. And it's hard to see more. Some women told us it can't, they must be out of their mind. So some people have told us this is what God is really doing in the world. That can't be true. Some people have told us, wait a minute, this is what's really happened today. On this same day, can't believe it, can't really believe this. So there he was talking to me. Can't believe it's happened. Can't believe it. They're closing the dealership. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've been here for years. Been here for years. I don't know how I'm going to tell my wife. We've got children getting ready to go to college. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to say to them. I really thought we were protected. I really thought it wasn't going to happen to us. I, I really thought, I, I, only time I've ever seen them cry. I, I don't know what to say. Can't see it. Can't see the hope. Can't see the possibilities. Can't see down the future. Uh, one year later, sitting in front of me, how's it going? This is the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I can't believe the job I have now. I, oh, the people that I, I wish I could say to them in that moment of crisis, six months from now, you're going to say, I can't believe this is the best thing that ever happened to me. If I only knew how long it was going to happen, I could just sit back and enjoy it right now. I, could, I can't believe what God has in the future. I, I There's more, they said. There, there's more. Some people from our, some women from our group have left us stunned, improbable, illogical. Even though he told us, even though he warned us, even though he promised it, we never really saw it unfolding this way. Are we ready? There are concrete resurrection implications. As we live between the times, as we live now on this side of the resurrection, and yet we also live in that in-between time, it is not yet what God is going to completely do throughout all of creation. Here we are in the in-between time. And the news unfolds. And the phone rings. And the emails come. And we must take evil seriously. We must. The pain that you experience, what you watch on the news, we don't deny that and we shouldn't deny that. We must take the presence of evil working within our world seriously, but we must not take evil more seriously than we do God. 
And it's easy to go to number one and to forget about number two. It's easy to go to that first one and forget about what the promise of the resurrection really means. It's easy to forget about what God is doing. And so how do we approach evil? How do we combat evil? We are invited to collaborate with God in what Jesus is now doing in the world. We're invited to be a part of what God is doing, and it's called the kingdom of God. We're invited to see people differently. We're invited to see pain differently. We're, ex- we're invited to see your neighbors differently. We're invited to see the email that makes it hard to sleep at night differently. We're, we're invited to be a part of a God who has not yet given up. And it's a challenging journey. And as funny as that line might be, but wait, there's more, some women... The next line is hard to hear. And Jesus said to them, you you foolish people. Really? You foolish people. Your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophet talks about. Had to hurt. Had to hurt. Had to get their back up. Us? Wait a minute. We've been here all along. We've been on this journey. We we were waiting. We were hoping. We we were followers. You you foolish people. Can you you not see this? We need Jesus to help us read the Bible today. We need Jesus to help us read the emails today. We need Jesus to help us watch the news today. We need Jesus to help us see this in a different way. A bigger picture. Possibilities. A God who is engaged and working. Did you catch this line in the story? Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Are are we ready to see what God is doing, not just through good times, but difficult times? Are we ready to see what God is doing, not just when everything goes the way I want it and the way I planned it, but it all seems to be falling apart? Are, Are we ready to be part of the kingdom of God that says, even your pain is something that God works through? Are we ready? They... That day, on the Emmaus Road, they and we are not meant to despise the painful parts of our lives anymore. That's the power of the cross. That's what we started singing about two, three weeks ago. That's what we started leaning into even on this day as we gather together and wonder what the future holds. Remember this one from the Apostle Paul? But we know. We know. Do we know? Do we really know that for the ones who are loving God, God works all things for good? Do we know, do we really know that the God that we have sung about and sung to and prayed to, do we really know that God has the ability to take the worst thing in your life and to turn it around into one of the best things in your life? Do do we know, do we really know, do we understand, do we really own that some of the most painful things that have happened to me, that God now has the ability to take that and turn it around, that that is the power of the cross, that that is the power of the resurrection? Do we know that? 
that they on that day on the Emmaus Road and we no longer interpret defeats as failures, but as opportunities to learn. That Peter who says to Jesus, I'll never leave you. I will never do that. Denies him not once, not twice, but three times. That it isn't defeat, that it isn't over, that he isn't an outcast. But he learns from it. That the power of the resurrection means he can turn all of that around. That, that they, on that day, on the Emmaus Road, and we no longer fear our enemies. Not even death itself. That they and we follow our leader into the scariest, most dangerous places in the world because they that day on the Emmaus Road and we are not fighters, but physicians. Wounded healers. And your credentials just happen to be your own pain your own hurt, transformed by God into something that makes a difference. For you, something that makes a difference for your neighbor, something that makes a difference for that one person that's going to come into your life this week. God just seems to give. One of my best friends in seminary decided to write his dissertation on someone I'd never heard of in my life. And his name is Hans Urs von Balthasar who's just the, got the greatest name ever. Uh, I joked to him like he is the number one, the number one theologian among vampires ever known to exist. It's just, and, he, and he wrote this, in a word, God is love, triune love, the truth, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In a word, God is love, and God does not lose anything in the dance of disposition, dis dispossession. As God gives away, gives away love, gives away grace, as Jesus empties himself and takes on the form, God loses nothing in the Trinity, having and giving away are one, which is why we're not afraid to love this morning, dangerously, even if it's been, even if it's been rejected before. It, it means we're not afraid to give out grace and forgiveness, even if, it's, even if it's been abused before, because we have abused that love, and we have abused that grace. We have abused that forgiveness. It, we're, we're not afraid to be generous because God has cared for us and provided for us in the past and God will care for us and provide for us in the future. And, and, and we're not afraid. And that becomes our model, the dance of dispossession, that having and giving away are one. And it happens in the meal it happens in the words of what we call the Eucharist and the Lord's Supper as they are sharing together, as they are with Him, as they are partaking with Him, and, and their eyes are open. Jesus is an odd guest. He's a guest in their home, and He takes over before the meal is finished. And, and Jesus, is, you invite Him as a guest into your life, and we try to keep him out of certain rooms, you know. We try to keep, you're welcome in these two places as our guest, but don't go down the hall. That door's closed and locked, and, and Jesus has his way of just kind of rummaging through the whole house and taking over. Can you see it? 
hope that begins. Resurrection. A journey. Remember this one? A Sunday school teacher asked her class on the Sunday before Easter if they knew what happened on Easter. Why it's such a big deal, why we celebrate that day. And one little girl spoke up. Easter's when the whole family gets together and you eat turkey and you sing about the pilgrims and all that stuff. And the teacher kind of died a little inside. No, that's not it. I know about Easter, a second student said. Uh, Easter is when you get a tree and you decorate it and you give gifts to everybody. And she died a little more. No, that's not it. And finally, a third student spoke up. Easter is when Jesus was killed and put in a tomb and left there for three days. Deep inside, she thought, thank God, one of them knows. And then the student continued, and everybody gathers at the tomb. And they wait to see if Jesus comes out and if he sees his shadow. (laughs) It's so close. You know, it's just... And we get so close. And we can laugh at those disciples. Why didn't they see him? We can laugh at those disciples. Why didn't they understand? Why, why didn't they? When Will Williman was serving as bishop in North Alabama with Methodists, he met with a mother that he knew. They'd been facing some troubles. How, how are you? How's it been? How's your fall going? She said, not good. Our son's been putting us through a very tough time. I'm sorry, he said. How old's your son? He's 18. We've not known where he was for the last six months. Been a long journey. Some of you know about this. We, we had to change the locks on the door. Haven't heard anything. And then one night, been praying for him every night, wondering where he is afraid. Then one night last week during dinner, he starts banging on the door. We open the door and there he is. Greets us with a long string of profanity. I said, we're eating. Why don't you come in and join us? And he refuses to sit down at the table and he storms back to his room and slams the door shut and and I hear it lock. My husband sat there. He got up poured another drink, went and turned on the TV. That's how he handled it. And this mother said, I I put my napkin down and I got up and I went down the hall and I went into the garage and I started rummaging through all of my husband's tools and I found the biggest hammer that I could find. And I walked back down the hallway and I stood in front of the door and I knocked on it and I asked, open the door. There was another string of profanities. So I took the hammer And I leaned back and I hit it with one good hit. Knocked the whole handle and lock off in one hit and split the door. And I barged through the door and my son looked terrified and I caught him right under the chin and I slammed him up against the headboard of the bed and I said, I went into labor because of you. (laughs) Some women stun us every now and then. Yeah, I went into labor because of you. And by God, I am not giving up. I think God is like that.
even when we give up and go back to a man. God is like that. Let's pray. So Lord, we just breathe for a moment. Forgive us when we haven't believed. We breathe for a moment. Forgive us when we thought too much about ourselves and not about the bigger picture. Will you bring us hope? Will you bring us life? Will you bring us more of you in Christ's name? Amen. And so in a moment, we're going to sing and we invite you to listen as the Holy Spirit may have been speaking to you. If you've never invited Christ into your life, it's a great day. Look around. All these people love you. All these people who know pain and joy, who know what it's like to feel lonely, but they also know what it's like to walk through life and not be alone. We would love to share with you that kind of love and that kind of grace. Or if you're looking for a community, look around. Here we are. Will you stand?